Devil with the blue dress, blue dress, blue dress, devil with the blue dress on. I think we should quit our day jobs, Shauna. What do you think? Absolutely. Fantastic. <laughs> I wonder what Maddie and David and Agnes think. Well, let's ask them. Well, we both have very strong opinions, very strong, very different opinions. Addison, why don't you start us out? No, no, no. That's quite all right, Miss Hayes. Why don't you begin? David. Maddie. You first, Addison. Ladies first, lady. You. You. Should have played the Shirelles. It's almost more than I can stand. It was great, great. You pick the tune, I do the dance. I believe I feel a little celebration in the air, kitty. No more singing. Say what? Laddie, think a minute. Ours is not the reason why. Okay, I'm satisfied. What are you saying? I'm saying you're right. (laughs) You're kidding. I guess there's something to be said for not acting like a mature adult. Oh, I suppose. Aw, thanks, guys. That's great stuff. We wouldn't dream of leaving you stuffless. So what's the final verdict? You're the greatest. Okay, David, take it away. Woke up this morning, my head was so bad. It was the worst hangover that I ever did have. What's up, boys? It wasn't a wine I had me too much of. It was a double shot of my baby love. Yeah, yeah. David. David. Could I have a minute of your time, please? Take two. They're small. Welcome to the show, Moonlighting fans. Whether you're a Moonlighting fan from way back when, or whether you are new to Moonlighting and you want to know what all the hype is about, you have come to the right place. Hi, I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. And we're your hosts for the podcast that is all about Moonlighting. When we talk about Moonlighting, we're talking about the Emmy award-winning 80s TV series starring Bruce Willis and Simple Shepherd. So if you're a fan of theirs, you're going to want to stay tuned as we review all 66 episodes. We hope you enjoy this journey with us because we are going to be watching the series episodes one by one and discussing them every week. Now, this is going to take several years, as you can imagine, so please join us because we are going to have so much fun along the way. We will also be releasing bonus episodes of interviews with creators, cast and crew to extend your listening experience. That's right. And we really want to include our Moonlighting fans in this project as much as possible. So write to us and let us know what your thoughts are. And even if you have some trivia to disclose, our email address is fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com. And we will include you in our future episodes. So stay with us. Shauna and I are beyond excited to finally bring Moonlighting into the 21st century for some serious discussions. You up for it, Shauna? I sure am. Well, let's get started. Hello and welcome to Moonlighting the Podcast. Today we are talking about Camille. It first aired on the 13th of May 1986. It was directed by Peter Werner, which unfortunately was his last episode that he directed. It was written by Roger Director. The guest stars, Judd Nelson, he played the policeman. Um, I'm not sure about his name, although she does call him Jack later. So his name might be Jack, although he's never really referred to as Jack. Whoopi Goldberg as Camille Brand, David Paymer as the PR man, Jerry Gibson as the minister, Monty Ash as Morty, Sid Kane as Herman, Michael Francis Clark as the senator, Billy Barty as himself, however, he is unaccredited for this episode, Lawrence Trimble as the prop man, and J.P. Bumstead as the stage manager. Yes, lots of famous faces in this episode. 
Yeah. And the title, Camille, the only thing I could think of is the 1936 movie, which starred Greta Garbo and Robert Taylor. But the storyline is not the same. So whether there's another reference to that, not sure about that one. Yeah. All right. So the first 10 minutes of this episode is Whoopi and Judd. (laughs) Yeah. And the whole Um, setup for the plot. Yeah, we're setting up the plot. So Camille shows up in her convertible. Uh, She's changing her shoes and the song playing is Devil with the Blue Dress On, which is interesting because eight years later she sings it in Sister Act 2 in 1993. Yeah. So she walks in the reception, grabs a bouquet from the reception area. She looks very nice in that dress. I think it it suits her. Blue dress. Yeah, she's got a blue dress on. (laughs) Yeah. That's the theme. Walks into the recreation room and, of course, the little old lady who is Eve Smith, people probably recognise her face from a lot of little small bit parts in TV shows. She is so cute. How cute is she? I know, she is. There she is. I told you she would let us down. She's done a lot of things, but the main thing she's known for is Star Trek for The Voyage Home. She was an elderly patient in that. She was Mrs. Irwin in um, Romancing the Stone, and she was also known for Who's Harry Crumb and also Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. So then the groom turns around. He's all excited to see her. He's coughing his lungs out. I like his hat. He's all dressed up. <laughs> yeah, top hat and tails on. <laughs> That's so good. But it's interesting. The minister comes up to her and calls her Miss Brown. Miss Brown. So she's using mm-hmm. an alias? Yeah. I guess so. At first I thought, oh, maybe I misheard it. Maybe he said Miss Brand. But when you listen to it closely, no, he says Miss Brown. Yeah. Of course, she hands him the marriage license and a bit of money, so he's happy about that. Yeah. And, (laughs) oh, my God, that little old lady, she's so cute. Better get this show on the road. The nurses will be done with coffee any minute. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're all there for, you know, it's probably a big day for them having a, a wedding, a ceremony to attend. Yeah, it's interesting because when she turns around to welcome Camille, she's sitting at the back. But after the next shot, she's sitting at the front. Mm. The other thing is the camera from the back of the room to the front where the minister is, there's not a lot of elderly residents there. But then Uh when they're having the ceremony from the minister's perspective, looking at the back, all of a sudden you've got 50 people there. Right, yeah. There's more (laughs) rows. (laughs) Yeah. It's so funny. I did a lot of rewinding in this episode. Sorry. The minister's conducting the ceremony and poor Morty is really sick, coughing his lungs out. But, you know, no. (laughs) I just love uh, Whoopi's expression. You know, she's just looking at the minister as if, come on, let's get it moving. She doesn't really care. Yep. She's there for one reason and one reason only. Yep. Get married to this rich man. (laughs) But, of course, it gets interrupted by a gentleman trying to stop the ceremony, and he introduces himself as a California bunco. What is that? I know. Now, the role is listed as policeman. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So I put the subtitles on, Uh and it just says California bunco with a C, B-U-N-C-O, but Mm. I don't know what that is. Anyway. California bunco. Moonies can help us with that one. At first, I thought at the beginning when I first watched it, I thought he was some sort of bounty hunter or, you know, although that's a bit more 
nasty, I guess. But obviously he's a he's a crooked policeman. Here we go. Bunko squad definition, an informal name for a police department dealing with fraud. Oh, okay. Because I looked it up and it came up with something else. Oh, good. Okay. Well, we've solved that problem. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah, Bunko's also like a game. Yeah. That's what I but got I, when I Googled. Okay. Yeah, I knew there had to be some sort of something to do with police mm. in there because, you know, Glenn, he loves his obscure references. Oh, I'll tell you what, there you is know, a lot knew, of references. You know, these back in the day with, without the internet, I'll have no idea. I don't know. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. He begins to give her a lecture about her unlawful actions and he begins the theme which goes throughout the show about... Now you shouldn't have applied for that marriage license. That was really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's always the license that does her in. <laughs> yep. So funny. Oh, my God. And anyway, he tells her she's been passing bad checks and a year of back alimony. She owes a lot of money, which is a major felony. So she talks him into, you know, not taking her away. Just let her get married and she'll be able to pay everything and give him yeah. a little bonus. Yeah. And there's another goof here where she puts the flowers on his chest and then when they turn around, he's not holding them. Okay. Now, why is her right eye blue and her left eye green? Oh, um, I know. She has like some contacts in there. Yeah. Right? But they're different colored contacts. Yeah. <laughs> I don't That's understand the meaning of that, but. Maybe it was some sort of style or something. That's interesting. And um, poor Morty. <laughs> I just feel for this guy. She just tells him. Look, all you got to do is last a couple of more minutes and then we'll go to your room. Me and you. And then we'll uh, smother ourselves in Vicks. We'll have a great time. We'll get crazy, okay? In Vicks. <laughs> Reminds me of the motor oil in uh, Tupperman. <laughs> You're always going to cover yourself in something. Um, the one thing I really have to say about this opening is there were a lot of interruptions in the ceremony, and they would have gotten through the ceremony without him, right? And then she, mm -hmm. she would have been married. and okay. But that one, you know, where she's just like, hold out a few more minutes. You know, she gives him this long talk. It's like, if she hadn't given the, him the long talk, she would have gotten through the damn ceremony because he was he was just at the end. He was just going to say it, and then the, and the guy died, of course. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it was like that one last long talk that she gave to him kind of did herself in. It sure did. Was. Yeah, she would have been married. Yep. But then we so, wouldn't have had an episode. So That's right. <laughs> so the minister continues. By the power vested in me by the state of California, the city of Los Angeles, here, witnessed on this sixth day of May in the unincorporated village of Palms, I now pronounce you. He stopped coughing. And he stops coughing. Yep. And I love how the little old lady just goes, He's dead. <laughs> Probably an everyday occurrence around there. <laughs> I suppose it would be, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. So that's really sad, and she kisses him goodbye, walks up the aisle, and and then there's a gentleman that stops her on the way out, and yeah. that's Sid Kane. Now, I checked, and throughout this whole scene, up until now, he has not been in that room. Really? <laughs> he has that one little part when she's walking out. Yep. That's Quite a few little goofs in this whole opening sequence. Yes, there's actually a lot of references that I've listed here. Uh -huh. And there's quite a few goofs. With Morty, um, that's Monty Ash, and he's known for Tough Guys, Blast from the Past, Moonlighting, and the Twilight Zone TV series. 
and a lot of other things. Yeah, so that's him. He died in um, August 1998 at the age of 89. Mm. So Camille starts walking off and thinks, ooh, here's another opportunity. So she goes back to him and asks him his name and he says his name's Hyman. Hyman, you are the first person I'm going to call when I get out, Hyman. Save it for me. (laughs) (laughs) I have a question for you, Shauna. Yeah. How did she meet Morty? Where would she meet someone like that? Yeah. Good question. She's um, kind of a chameleon. She could have been hanging around the old folks' home, acting as someone's granddaughter, being a caretaker, you know? Probably trying to target some of these rich men that are about to kick off, you know? Yeah. She is a bit of a chameleon. She has many different looks in this episode, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah, she does. Very much so. Yep. Lots of wigs. So The Devil with the Blue Dress On is a song written by Shorty Long and William Mickey Stevenson, first performed by Long and released as a single in 1964. A later version recorded by Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels in 1966 peaked at number four on the US Billboard Hot 100. And I'm pretty sure that's the one that's playing on the show. Now, you'll probably notice that it says Devil with the Blue Dress On and then later... While she's running down the street, it says, good golly, Miss Molly. Yeah, I noticed right. that. I thought we were. Yeah, so yeah. it's actually the same song because he did a medley in 1964. Okay. Um, and, of course, it's Little Richard's song, Good Golly, Miss Molly. Yeah. But he made it a medley as part of this song. So okay. this actual version is the Mitch Ryder one. Okay, yes. I thought they were going into a new song and then it came back to Devil with the Blue Dress on. So, yeah. Yeah, it I kept figured. going up and back. Yes. So now we have a car scene without Maddie and David. I know. I was going to say they use some of the same Maddie and David techniques without it being Maddie and David in this episode, um, starting with drive and talk. Except Maddie never changes her shoes in the car. (laughs) He's bragging. He's excited that he's caught her and she's his collar of the month to get out of the inspector's doghouse, maybe a promotion. Uh, And, of course, Camille sees the opportunity to get away to escape so they're at the stop sign she escapes and then it's on for young and old mm-hmm. start yep. the chase music boys yep yep we got a chase right in the beginning yep she kind of gets a <laughs> cheeky little smile on her face and she opens the door and she and she runs yes and uh this area of town i can tell from when she gets out of the car is echo park all right echo park lake is right behind her it's kind of a very recognizable part of Los Angeles. It has the fountain that's going up um, in the middle. You see it in a lot of movies. Oh, okay. Yep. And, and a lot of scenes of LA. And so I checked. So where she got out of the car, you could see Echo Park Lake right behind. And then when she runs and seeing from the street signs behind her, I looked at the names, I looked up the area. That's about over a mile away. Oh. Yeah. So it's in the same kind of general area, but it's not. it's not like she would run a few minutes and be there. I don't know how long, you know, he was really chasing her and all of that. Um, But yeah, it's quite far away from where she jumps out of the car, the area that they filmed um, her running into the politician's killer and all of that. God, she should be in the Olympics. She gets there that fast. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Well, of course, you know, in the show, they probably just want you to think it's, you know, part of the same area, but our eagle eyes see differently. (laughs) Yeah, so it uh, keeps going yeah. up and back from her running away and you can see there were parts there where she there's a body double for her and 
running yeah. through the streets and hitting the cars. And then you see a senator arriving at what I'm assuming they're calling the Biltmore Hotel. Then it goes back to her and then it goes back to the hotel and the guy's getting his gun out because he's ready to shoot the guy. Yeah. And this was filmed at the time. It was the Park Plaza Hotel, which is no longer. Uh-huh. So this was filmed at 607 South Park View Street. And that's yeah. where that hotel used to be. Well, it's still there, but it's now called the MacArthur. And okay. it's just for functions. Uh-huh. Yeah. As the senator gets out of the car, Happy Days Are Here Again plays. And there's no band there, but it's playing anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just out of nowhere. Yeah. Yep. And that's a famous 1929 song. It appeared in the 1930 film Chasing Rainbows. And it's one of Barbara Streisand's favourite songs. Oh, really? I love her version. Yeah. And this is very kind of taxi driver, isn't it? This whole scene with uh, him and the army coat and the slow motion and the gun and the... Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And um, she inadvertently stops the senator from being shot. She's a hero. I know, by falling into the guy and inadvertently becomes the hero of the town. Wow, she really gets celebrated too. I wonder if you get that celebrated today by inadvertently falling into uh, stopping mm-hmm. a shooting. It would be all over social media. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, ticker tape <laughs> parades and everything. Wow, they were like really, really excited. <laughs> ticker tape parade. <laughs> <laughs> they really kind of went overboard with it, didn't they? I mean, it wasn't the president of the United States. <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. For Senator Savior. Ticker tape parade for Senator Savior. And this is where we find out she's wearing a wig. Her wig falls yes. off. And we kind of see her natural hair underneath the way that Whoopi wore it at the time. So a little bit about Whoopi. All I can say is, wow, her name should be Whoopi Wow. She's received many awards and nominations for her film, television and stage work. She's acted in over 150 films and she's one of the few people to achieve the EGOT having won the four major American awards for professional entertainers. So she's won an Emmy for television, a Grammy for music, Oscar for film, and Tony for theatre. So that's the EGOT. She received two Academy Award nominations, one for The Colour Purple and one for Ghost. And she won Best Supporting Actress for her role as the eccentric psychic in Ghost. Just some of the other things she's been in. Of course, Jumping Jack Flash in 1986. She was in Burglar in 1987. Star Trek The Next Generation in 1987. Soap Dish in 1991. And of course, Sister Act in 1992 and 1993. As well as Made in America. Yes, so when she starred in Moonlighting, she'd only been around, looks like it from, as far as her movie and TV career, from 1982. So really, it was only four years later that she started in Moonlighting and she'd already done The Colour Purple and been nominated. And then she got Jumping Jack Flash and from then on, she just kept climbing. So that's our very accomplished Whoopi Goldberg. That's interesting. When they show that black and white ticker tape parade and the newspaper, the music is She's a Jolly Good Fellow. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And next time we see a ticker tape parade, that was... (laughs) <laughs> somewhere in somewhere in was it, I am curious Maddie or is it, it's one of those it's in the trilogy they start with uh, some kind of ticker tape parade yeah <laughs> oh no that's right 
Because everybody's <laughs> celebrating that there's a new episode. Oh, there's a new episode. Yeah. <laughs> Took a break. Now, one thing we haven't mentioned yet is yes. because the second one's coming up here. This is a, the formatting of this episode is a little bit different. They have headlines, right? Or the, it's sectioned out, numbered with a little headline. And the first one is um, Here Comes the Bride, I think. It's the first yep. one. Right? And the, now the second one here is The Thought. David has a lot of those. Yeah, um, so, yeah, they've got title cards for each act, I guess. Mm-hmm. They go in yeah, acts. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a little bit different. Yeah. And that's how I've done my notes today. I've done yeah. them for each act. Yeah. Yes, and me too. You go into the thought because we are now 10 minutes in. 10 minutes in, yes, before we see Maddie and David. But we get a very fast and quick shove into their world with David flying through, pushing open both of Maddie's office doors, saying, I have a thought. And, of course, she has to respond to that, doesn't she? <laughs> How is that possible? I just had a thought. How is that possible? Yeah. They can never let that go, you know. Um, <laughs> and David's presenting his case to Maddie about, you know, going to track down Camille Brand. Now, this is very reminiscent to me of the next murder you hear. David loves to see what's on the front page of the newspaper and then insert themselves into that case or get that person or, you know, because yeah. David's always trying to find ways to get Blue Moon on the cover of that, you yes. know, and he figures if they solve a case that's on the front page or get mixed up and get someone on the front page of the paper working for them, like Camille, that can bring a lot of attention. And as usual, Maddie and David both make good points, you know? I mean, he has a really good idea. As, as usual, he has lots of good ideas. Maddie is just like, okay, but she's not a detective. So, and David's just like, yeah, but let's just get her in here. She has a lot of attention on her right now. That can bring attention to Blue Moon. Yeah, yeah, Maddie doesn't think outside the box normally. He's he's a thinker and he thinks of all different ways. She thinks of possibly more the traditional ways to get business, like as she says. Whatever happened to cold calls, pitches, presentations. And I love how he says, Maddie, 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 I hate to be the sugar in your gas tank, honey. He calls her honey. I know, I know, I love it. I know, it's so cute. But that stuff's passe. Work is passe. Maddie, 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 I hate to be the sugar in your gas tank, honey, but that stuff's passe. 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 Work is passe. <laughs> I like how she says that too. But yes, it, it's two sides of one coin, right? David's real think outside the box. Maddie is traditional work hard and it'll pay off. Put the work in and you'll, you'll see it come back to you. I really want to see Maddie doing some of these pitches and presentations at these, you know, at these... Hey. Um, <laughs> You know, it's like, yeah, we kind of find out more about how they work and how they try to get cases and how they get clients or securities or whatever they're doing outside of detective work. Yeah. Kind of interesting. But I have a question for you. Okay. I wrote, they are not in this scene together until mm. he says, you took the words right out of my mouth. Until then, it's two single shots. And I don't think Maddie's looking in the right place. Yes. You know. I didn't notice that, but I noticed that they definitely weren't in the same room until the no. end when she says, Took the words right out of my mouth. Open up, I'll put them back. Yeah, until then, don't see them. No. Uh, they both look gorgeous, by the way. Sybil particularly looks really, really, really gorgeous in this episode. Yeah, I was going to say, in this episode, they both look terrific. They're both looking real good. Yeah. They're peaking. Absolutely. And Bruce, for sure, Sybil, Wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I just think she gets more beautiful each. I mean, this is like, I don't know, peak Sybil Shepherd to me. 
yeah. um, during the moonlighting years until, yeah. sorry, but season five. Um, <laughs> you, you have to mention it, don't you? you got to mention season five all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry, it's part of the world we're living in right now. So when she says, open up, I'll put them back, um, she walks out of the office and he says, Look at this. now, was that a New York accent? A few times I hear his New York accent come out. Yes, he definitely has. When he's with Camille, when they're in the um, hotel room. And yes, I, I do think his, his Jersey accent, more Jersey accent comes out. And there's a lot of things that date this. I mean, a lot of episodes are dated anyway, obviously, but... Yeah. There's a lot of little bits and pieces in this episode that date the episode, like when he says, How would you like to have that on your yellow pages, eh, Maddie? Uh-huh. <laughs> right, yes. Not too many yellow pages around these days, are there? Yeah. But he's trying to talk her into getting Camille in, and Maddie just believes it. Look, she wrestled an assassin that doesn't make her a detective, which is true. His Sorry, point don't. is, well, hey, we're not detectives either, are we? <laughs> you know, well... <laughs> Yeah. I mean, she wasn't. He he might have been before. But, yeah, they're both just uh, playing the roles and learning and kind of learning as they go. So we're not detectives that never stopped us. <laughs> Which he might be saying kind of tongue-in-cheek. Again, this is very reminiscent of the next murder you hear, even how he's rallying, you know, right, everyone, you know, trying to get the uh, Blue Moon office workers to kind of back him up. And America loves heroes, right, kids? Yeah! Wants everyone to kind of, like, back up his enthusiasm. And I did write Maddie, she doesn't hate the idea. She doesn't at all. Mm. She likes it, but she just doesn't think that Camille will want to come there. She so. thinks that she would have got heaps of offers by now. Which is true. She doesn't want to come here. Why would she want to come here? She's not going to want to come here. She's probably got all kinds of companies offering her all kinds of jobs for all kinds of money. She's not going to want to come here. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so, I mean, she's kind of on board with it. He's right, though. If Camille rang a potential client, wouldn't you think yeah. the client would return the call? Yes, if she's a household name at this point and everyone's just loving her, yeah, of course, like, people are going to follow her to where she goes next. And if it's a detective agency and she stopped an assassin, I can see in people's minds how that would kind of fit. So it's a good idea, you know, but it's like, like I said, two sides of the same coin. Like Maddie says, hard work is what's going to pay off. He wants to kind of skip the line and get Mm -hmm. attention on Blue Moon in another way, which he's always trying to do, which Mm -hmm. I give him credit for. She's our Mary Lou Retton. (laughs) Yeah. If you could have gotten a piece of Mary Lou two years ago, wouldn't you have done it? Maddie, this woman is our Mary Lou. Where is she going to sit? I'll give her my office. What are we going to pay her with? I'll take a pay cut. He's He's, desperate. Yeah, he's willing to go to great lengths for this. You know, she says she's not going to want to come here. And he said, then it won't hurt to go talk to her. Yeah, you can always go and ask, right? You can always just pay her a visit. Nothing to lose. And for those who don't know who Mary Lou Retton is, obviously people outside the United States... (laughs) I mean, I've heard of her, but yeah, she was an American gymnast and she won a gold medal at the 1984 Summer Olympics in Los Angeles, as well as uh, two silver medals and two bronze medals. She was pretty amazing. Oh my gosh. I absolutely remember the days of Mary Lou Retton. Yeah. Mm. Wheaties boxes and commercials and she was everywhere. So that was, uh, she was real famous at the time. So yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, he's using that as an example, like she won a medal in the Olympics, but then she's selling other products, Wheaties and things like that. So, yeah, kind of if Camille is a household name, then why not bring her in here where she'll yep. draw some attention? Good idea. It's worth a try. Mm-hmm. Yep. And like we said, he's willing to go to great lengths to do it. His office and take a pay cut. Look, he cares so much about Blue Moon. And that was shown from the start, from the pilot. Yes. He's always, always, always mm. willing to do that stuff. 
he tells Maddie, we you know, we can go and talk to her at the Biltmore Hotel. I tell you what, that Biltmore Hotel is very popular in this series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So apparently the mayor is giving her a free suite and the key to the city. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the least we can do is give her a pitch. So that scene only goes for a couple of minutes, not even. And and there's a lot of dialogue in it. It's so fast. <laughs> it's really fast. Yep. Really fast dialogue, quick and quick scene. Yeah. So part three, the pitch. The pitch. Devil with the blue dress on again. I know, yes. Uh, it's so good. It's such a great idea to have those title cards. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the scene in Camille's suite is kind of what they expected. Lots of phones ringing, lots of stuff everywhere, as she says, you know, a pile of cards on the desk. So Maddie and David kind of make their way in. And the door just happens to be open. Yeah, I think like lots of things and people are coming in and out, in and out. She's being sent lots of food and gifts and... Yes, it seems like a lot of reporters are probably have come and visited. So it seems like a revolving door of a suite. It's very busy in there. Or you can tell it has been very busy from all of the stuff around. And she is sitting watching Let's Make a Deal with Monty Hall. With Monty Hall. (laughs) Yeah. And she's very aloof and just very, yeah, just kind of can barely give them the time of day. All of a sudden, she's very uppity, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, she's pretty uppity now. Now she's kind of full of herself, you know, getting out. She really, she's really soaking in all of this attention, isn't she? It's a bit of an uncomfortable scene. It's kind of awkward, didn't you feel like? I mean, they're kind of like groveling in a way on their knees. And again, yeah. she doesn't shake David's hand. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. The theme continues. And it's it, so funny. So it continues. But um, she's got a PR guy there on the phone. And at first I thought he was organising her schedule, but I'm just wondering if he was the senator's PR guy. From what Mm. he was saying, I'm not quite sure who he actually belongs to. So anyway, but he's talking to the mayor on the phone and the mayor interrupts him in making sure that Camille's comfortable. The mayor wants to know if you're comfortable. Yes, but some of the maids keep gift-wrapping their toilets. (laughs) Just quickly, that gentleman is David Paymer, and I quite like this actor. He's been in a lot of things. Um, I mainly remember him from The American President, but he was in State and Maine, Get Shorty, and In Good Company. That's what he's known for. But you would recognize his face because he has been in so many things. He did nine episodes of um, The Good Wife. I always remember him in Ocean's 13. He was the VUP. He's like a a critic for hotels. and. George Clooney and Brad Pitt put all chemicals in his bed and made the room all dirty and (laughs) with the poor guy. So that's David Paymer. So I'm looking at just real quick Sybil's outfit, Mandy's outfit here, the purple. I think she wears it again and it's a wonderful job, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, It's a nice outfit. Oh, yes. Yeah, Yeah, because in It's a Wonderful Job, there's not many costume changes in that one and she's always wearing that purpley lilac one no i don't think she does change anyway getting her yeah, but anyway, yeah i don't think no. yeah but uh yeah camille sitting eating her chocolates licking her fingers kind of yeah just being very aloof and maddie steps in and tries to help david a little bit because he's failing <laughs> getting her attention and um oh i like um when david hands her the card and she's like the few the proud the blue moon <laughs> yes i had to look that up too i didn't realize <laughs> like an army slogan or something right 
Yeah, the Marine slogan, which is the few, the proud, the Marines. So that was a good little reference in there. The few, the proud, the blue moon. <laughs> That's good. The, few, the proud, the blue moon. It's kind of looking at them like, really? But then it's funny because they do show a close-up of the card, which I love because yes. it's got a couple phone numbers on there and their address. And there was a rumor that if you called that at the time, if you called one of those numbers, it rang in the back offices of Moonlighting. Yeah. Which yeah, I knew that, that at the time. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you might have got through to somebody important. I like how she says, is another reference. Hey, call for a blonde cable yet? I know. Yep. Artesian, <laughs> of course. Yes. Is the color purple on cable yet? Yeah, that's a fun reference to herself. Because the color purple was released on the 7th of February, 86. And Camille was released on the 13th of May. Yeah. So I'm not sure when the nominations come out. Glenn said that she had already been nominated for an Oscar, mm. but I'm not sure of the timing of this. Yeah, not sure. Uh, the one thing I hate about this, I just feel like it's awkward and it's supposed to be. Um, oh, the whole thing's when, awkward. When yeah. she's like sucking on lemons and she keeps putting them in David's hands. She like sucks the lemon and then she puts it in David's hand and he like throws it on the floor. And then she takes another lemon and sucks on it and he pours her water, gives her the glass, and then she sucks on the lemon and puts it in his hand. Yeah, I couldn't tell what it was. Oh, okay, so there were lemons. I think they were lemons. That's what it looked like to me. You know, he gives it his best shot, right? He finally, like, turns off the television, makes her listen to what he has to say. You know, she's not very receptive, but they give it their best shot, basically. Yeah, she's saying she's received other offers, consulting and all that sort of thing and... The minimum is six figures. Yeah. Which she ain't going to get from Blue Moon. Definitely not. You know what? I give them both credit. Maddie went with them to do the pitch. She backed them up while they were there. David gave it his best shot twice. Gave his pitch. She wasn't really interested. He turned off the TV, made her, made her listen again. And uh, then they were out the door. You know? I love how David offers her a job and Maddie's in shock. She's like, what? In our foreplay. Camille, we would like to offer you a job. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sybil's reactions really, yeah, her facial expressions are pretty cute. I like the um, kind of the framing of it, you know, especially like when Whoopi stands up and she walks around and David's following her. Yes. And then they're standing face to face and Maddie or Sybil kind of turns herself a little bit, you know, so she's kind of the third person, but in the background. Yeah. The framing of it is nice. Yeah. It's different, isn't it? Maddie in the background and David in the foreground talking to somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that she is being supportive of it. She's trying to help him. It's very confined. Like for Mm -hmm. a suite, it's pretty small. I know you don't see all of it, but the whole scene is very sort of claustrophobic, I felt. It's all closed yeah. in. Yes, it is. And, yeah, the, the suite's very cluttered and she's mm. not receptive to what they're saying. And, yeah, they're really kind of, especially Dave's kind of groveling. And Maddie's more like, it's very nice to have met you and shakes her hand and is out the door or whatever. Yeah, David, there's a little bit of desperation there or something's kind of awkward, confining, kind of claustrophobic scene. But, again... Probably meant to be like that, and so well done. So he admits that, okay, look, we're not a Fortune 500 company, but we need you to put us on the map. You know, we're in the Bermuda Triangle. (laughs) Everybody who comes to us or works for us ends up in the Bermuda Triangle. We are the Bermuda Triangle of companies. People come to work for us, never to be heard from again. And he really belabors this point, and the reason being is eventually she's going to want to escape into a Bermuda Triangle situation. So, yeah, he keeps hitting that point that people come to us when they want to disappear. You know what I mean? It's a little, <laughs> yes, you know, it's, 
<laughs> it is. It's like, he kind of like keeps making that point. We're totally off the map. So anyway, they kind of like hit that point home because later when Judd Nelson comes back, Mr. Policeman or whatever, she goes, hmm, the Bermuda Triangle, huh? But before that, he says, we need you to put us on the map. That's my speech. We'd love to have you, period. Six, two, and even, over and out. Yes. Do you know what that is? I looked it up. So yes. And yes. do you know where else they say that in the series? No, wouldn't have a clue. Not that I remember. Right. I'm sure you're going to tell me. <laughs> of course I am. Uh, six, two, and even, over and out. So it's a horse racing reference. Yes. I looked it up. References go back to Father Knows Best, the Robert Young version, many, many, many years ago. And then in the Dick Tracy cartoon, they've used this phrase. Now, the, the over and out part, I'm not sure. If, yeah, the over and out part I don't get. Um, yeah. I used to be a bookmaker's clerk at the races. So I used to work for a bookie. And, uh, yeah, so six, two, and even. So you've got – so obviously it's six to win – Six okay. to one to win, two to one to place, okay. and then an even, which is to show. So you guys say show, but we say third place. You know okay. what I mean? So you've got the the win, the place, and the third. You know, you could put any number there, really, but, yeah. So it's six, two, and even, over and out. So over and out, I suppose, I don't know, he's just saying. I think over that's and it. out, like, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. exactly. Yeah. I think over like a walk like a CB radio or something like that over and out yeah it means like you're mm. that's it you're I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Six to one even. Over and out. Okay, well, where else do we hear this in Moonlighting? Tell me, Shauna, tell me. I'm waiting Sorry. in anticipation. Yeah, I know, you're all Twitter and all a jitter. Uh, <laughs> you just can't wait to find out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry to say I'm going to have to bring up season five again. Oh, my God. <laughs> and worse yet, the absolute final episode of Moonlighting. Oh. Actually, at the very, very end, okay, they're in the church. They do the whole thing with the preacher and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, he won't marry them. They're standing there. And Sybil says, well, six, two, and even. And Bruce goes over and out. Oh. And then they go. Yeah, and I never picked it up. I would have heard it, but I just sort of thought, oh, yeah, okay. I didn't yeah, take much notice. Anyway, I think I just noticed the phrase. Again, you know, I always think of that as like something that they would say behind the scenes a lot that kind of bleeds mm. onto the screen. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So they both say it there. 
And then they sit down on the stairs and it's right before they go into the montage and all that stuff. So it's yeah. like one of the last things that they say as characters mm. in the show, which is kind of funny. I also looked it up. It says it's a term that comes from figuring odds on a horse race bet, very commonly heard at the track in the 1920s and 30s. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, that's that. Yeah. That was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So part four later that night starts with a little cameo from Dr. Roof. Westheimer, sex therapist, very big at this time. Yes. Wow. Do you know a lot about her? She's amazing. Yeah. I can't remember offhand, but I have heard about her in the past. Because she was a German-American sex therapist, talk show host, author, professor, Holocaust survivor, Mm. and a former Haganah sniper. She was actually a sniper. Oh my God. She was trained yeah. to be a sniper. A yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. She was born in 1928. But what happened was um, she was born in Germany to a Jewish family. And as the Nazis came to power, her parents sent the 10 year old girl to a school in Switzerland for safety, remaining behind themselves because of her elderly grandmother. They were both subsequently sent to concentration camps by the Gestapo, where they were killed. So after World War II ended, she immigrated to British-controlled mandatory Palestine. Yeah, she was only four foot, four foot seven inches. Oh, somebody I can see eye to eye. Yeah, you would look tall next to her. It's great. Um, at 17 years of age, she joined the Haganah, which was, you know, where she was trained to be a sniper, but she never actually fought. Her media career began in 1980 with the radio call-in show called Sexually Speaking, which continued until 1990. In 1983, it was the top-rated radio show in the area in the country's largest radio market. She then launched a television show, The Dr. Ruth Show, which by 1985 attracted 2 million viewers a week. She became known for giving serious advice while being candid, but also warm, cheerful, funny, and respectful. And for her tag phrase, get some. (laughs) some. I love it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she was quite a lady and uh, yes, very open about answering people's questions on sex. Yeah, because I was listening in the background while Camille is talking. Yeah. And I can hear the question she's asking the lady on the phone. I've come to the point where I just don't want it. Um, you don't want it at all? Or I don't want it three, four times a week. It's mm-hmm. really good. Yes. All right. So now we have another scene where Judd catches up with her, basically. Making out his room service. (laughs) Right. You would think that she would know his voice by now. Oh, yeah. And expect him to show up at some point. So he's being very sarcastic and smug, I guess. I've heard the mayor is going to give you a medal. Maybe I'll come and watch. But he's rooting for her now because her good fortune is going to be his good fortune. So he's not going to take her in until she makes some money. And don't worry about contacting me. I'll find you. And that's when Camille picks up the Blue Moon business card and says, Come read a triangle. And that just kind of harkens back to David's point that they are the Bermuda Triangle of Detective Agencies. So she knows where she's headed, and that's the title of the next part of the show, part five. That is why she has decided to go to Blue Moon, because they are the Bermuda Triangle and she'll live under the radar Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's exactly why she chose to go there, because he was making that point. So she's like, how can I hide from this guy who keeps finding me? Oh, these people say they're super obscure. Let me go there. So now, part five, Mm -hmm. we get 
feet out of the elevator. Yay! <laughs> and I like how they do this. I like how they use that technique for Whoopi. You know, it's like different feet coming out of the elevator. It's, per it's like perfect, you know. She makes her way down the hallway and into Blue Moon, and we get an Agnes rhyme. <laughs> we do. <laughs> oh, this is such a good scene. <laughs> yeah. But it's great because Agnes doesn't realize who she is at first. <laughs> And she yeah. goes, wait a minute, I've got to answer the phone. Great customer yeah. service there, Agnes. <laughs> I know, yeah. Phone calls come first, I guess, at Blue Moon. Yes, I, I love her rhyme. Such a good rhyme. Blue Moon Investigations, if you're in trouble, if you're in a fix, we're the people to turn to. We make things right quick. We're effective because we listen, listen, listen to all you say. We listen, 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 and send help on the way. But look at Camille's face, how she's amazed at how Agnes answers the phone. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, she is. Camille introduces herself, Camille Brand. Camille yeah. Brand? My name is Camille Brand. Camille Brand? Yeah, Camille Brand. Camille Brand? Camille Brand! Yep. <laughs> and they all clap. Yeah. But there's another goof here because she's holding the phone in the opposite hand than the previous cut when she turns to the side to tell all the workers that it's Camille Brand. Oh, Okay. It changes between cuts. All right. Well, yeah, she gets the royal welcome from Blue Moon. Agnes is very excited. And um, Maddie and David hear all the commotion. And uh, what are they doing in the office together? <laughs> <laughs> Where my, my mind goes, of course. What are they doing in the office together? They come out and, yes, they hear, like I said, hear all the commotion. They make their way out. And David joins in on, on the clapping. Looks very happy. And Camille's like, why are they clapping? you're a hero yeah Camille doesn't understand all the um attention she's getting because she knows deep down she doesn't really deserve it exactly yeah, <laughs> she only saved the senator by accident but nobody yeah, knows that that's the truth it was all just kind of you know, happenstance so they take her into David's office and Camille's amazed by the size of the office and how it looks and everything and she's like shipwreck shipwreck <laughs> yeah <laughs> and David says, this is the orifice of the future. <laughs> yeah, he puts her in his chair and Maddie gives her a gift. I like how they just cut to the chase where she just shows up and it's already been organized that she's coming. Because when you first see her walk in, you think, oh, they won't know that she's there. But it's already organized. They already know she's coming. The present's already wrapped and they've already signed the card. Yes, it's been well established. I guess she gave him a call and let them know, and they've got the briefcase for her, and they all signed the Blue Moon card, which I would love to have. Yes, except they didn't. What do you mean? There's not enough signatures on the card. Um, For all of the workers? Yep, for everybody. I only looked for Maddie and David's. Oh, yeah, Maddie and David's is there. Yeah, I couldn't find Agnes's, though. Yeah, I couldn't find Agnes's uh, either. Yeah, that's kind of funny. Yeah, there aren't that many signatures, but yeah, I was only looking really for Maddie and David's. And yeah, they that's... gave her business cards. Blue Moon Investigations. Camille Brand, investigator. <laughs> Security specialist, even I don't believe this. That's a little bit different from like, I guess, Matt, probably Maddie and David's titles, which would just be detectives, right? Yeah, they're putting her in charge of security. Yeah. You know what I always like in movies and TV shows? What? How neat, how different the, the gift is wrapped. There's never any, oh, 
ripping of the paper and not like my place, you open a present, there's paper flying everywhere. But this is all like, even the flap of the box is wrapped. So all she has to do is open the flap and the briefcase comes out. Oh, I know. know It's always like in a box that you can can quickly. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want a lot of like ripping and tearing and yeah. (laughs) No, it has to be a a very quick, like quick accessibility to the gift. I like how it's unwrapped from the side. A lot of times people have to lift the lid off the top and it's got yeah. a great big bow on it. Yeah. it just, it's just so neat in movies, isn't it? It is, yes. A couple things. So this episode is spread over a few weeks, if not a month or more, you know, just tell yeah. as time passes and they, they mention how long it's been since certain things. Um, when she's looking at the card, the, there's a calendar on the desk. It says the 23rd. Yes, I wrote that too. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. So, and the, the sixth was when they said the sixth day of May. Oh, that's this, when she was getting married. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. Okay. So that's how long it's been. I just thought that was a bit long. I don't know. Sixth to the twenty third. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's true. It could be right. It could be right. But by the time they did the ticker tape parade and you know whatever, and it could have been another week before she showed up at Blue Moon. Maybe they were like, okay, next Monday or something. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So yeah. I wonder what the 23rd was in 1986. May 23rd. Is that a Monday morning? <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go. She's <laughs> looking it up. <laughs> Wait, yeah. Um, what day of the week was May 23rd? That was a Friday. Oh, it was a Friday. Yeah, she's showing up to work on a Friday, huh? Well, maybe. Well, see, David hasn't been in his office yet, and he hasn't changed the calendar to the Monday. Maybe. That's yeah, true. That's true. It could be the next Monday. Or maybe just come in on a Friday. We'll show you the ropes. Get acquainted, you know, take the weekend, start fresh on a Monday. Okay. Like that. That's our story and we're sticking to it. That, yeah, that's our story. You know, we've got it all set. We've made it all up in our minds. <laughs> um, I think Camille, I know Camille. You can tell from her reaction. I mean, and look how sweet and nice and kind Maddie and David and, and uh, all the workers are. How welcoming. Like, what a warm place to work. They're so like, welcome, Camille. Like, here's a briefcase. Here's your business cards. Hey, they had to have the business cards printed and stuff like that. All that stuff takes time, right? Oh, that's true. Yeah, It has been a while. But yeah, they're like really welcoming, really excited. And she's really touched. I think she's like, oh, my gosh, they're making such a big deal of me. Yeah. I don't think she's been around people like that, knowing her past life. So it's it's a novelty to her. It's a different world. Um, And she's got a bit of a different look here. The wig that she's wearing is um, another look for mm-hmm. her from the beginning. And yeah, she has lots of different looks in this episode. And she's touched. She is, yeah. Another goof. First of all, with the card, there's only nine signatures on the card. Should be ten. I think Agnes's is missing. Yeah. It's really funny because, yeah, I couldn't see it. But anyway, yeah. I, I think Jurgensen. I think I could read maybe Jurgensen, but the other yeah. ones you don't really know what they are because you know, obviously don't know their names. So Agnes hands her the card yeah, and she picks it up and then the camera shows a view of somebody holding the card, but the nail polish is different. Okay. That's a good catch. Yeah. I was kind of looking for those kind of things in other scenes, but. Like you picked it up in Witness when she went to adjust the wheelchair. Yes. And um, different insert. All right, part six. Part six. Can I see you in my office, please? Gee, I wish I had a dollar for every time she said that. I know. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. so it took me a few goes with this because I had to keep rewinding it, looking to see what on earth was going on. 
So uh-huh. David's in his new office, <laughs> which is a little the cubicle with his little um, radio cassette blaster and he's got his um, radio on, listening to the races, and he's reading a book. He seems very um, comfortable there. Yeah, and it's called Making Middle Management Matter. Yeah. Life Between a Rock and a Hard Place. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I noticed was they volumized his hair. His hair looks really quite high. Yeah, there's a little bit like kind of that slicked on the side, and a little bit more like yeah. pompadourish. And he's got like um, a piece of bread behind him. He's got a cooler there. He's got paper towels. He's got like he's all set up. It's like everything that he needs is within reach. I think he's probably happier there than he was in his office. <laughs> Hiding his smut not so well. Then she comes up to him and yeah. she goes, what are you reading? This this is a forum, the Journal of Human Sexual Behavior. Why, you want to borrow it? <laughs> Can I see you in my office, please? Oh, I get it. A little discretion. Absolutely, I can see you in your office, Ms. Hayes. Oh, my gosh, yeah, so flirtatious. Those kind of cracks get him in trouble in later episodes, don't they? Yeah. They don't mean much now, but later. No, hey. but later, yeah. But what I didn't notice was he had that little book inside the book yeah. making out he was reading that book when yes. he wasn't. Yes, yes, and, and Maddie's totally on to him. You know. Okay. Well, as she walks up, you can see like the pages aren't, you know, the middle management, whatever. There's pictures in there. Yeah. Yeah. She kind of taps him on the shoulder. Hi, are you reading? You know, come to my office. Okay. Now, how they got away with this line, I don't know. But <laughs> oh, I know. Yes. <laughs> he walks into her office and he says, This isn't you, is it? Single and craving success. success. And she just gives him the biggest dagger. <laughs> <laughs> Sybil loved it, but Maddie, not so much. Not so much. I didn't think so. This woman had a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. And then they go into the, well, now. <laughs> yes. I love the way she does this with the chain of command. And she goes, you know, I want you to check my thoughts on something. But I love the paper and the dot matrix printer printing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Did we not? Not we did, you know. Yeah. And yeah. The whole banter is very yeah. cute and clever. Yes, and I love the, yeah, I love her little computer in there. Um, I love the flow chart. I love how it's labeled. <laughs> you know, what is it, Blue Moon flow chart 1986 or something like that? <laughs> oh, it's so good. And his reaction, this is really a lot of information here. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's like, Maddie, David, Camille. <laughs> Nobody else on there, just the three of them. No Agnes, no Wobblies. Mind, mind you, he's reading a book with small writing. Yeah. Oh but he God, can't yeah. read that. <laughs> I, uh, I love how um, he's sitting. He's got both of his legs up. He's like, <laughs> she's got like both knees up. Jeez, get relaxed, David. I really like this whole dialogue when Maddie proceeds to explain the Blue Moon chain of command. Every successful business has a smooth flow of command. What did you say? Say I would. We hired Camille to help us grow, did we not? Not, we did. And wouldn't you say that if we were asked to create a graphic representation of the chain of command here at Blue Moon, that this would accurately reflect it? Gosh. 
This is a lot of information to absorb all at one time. I'm serious about this, David. I know. We are going to get you something for that, Maddie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So she's pretty angry that David was supposed to be supervising her training. And for the past 10 days, you've been sitting out there reading bondage magazines, talking to your bookie and listening to the Top 40 Countdown. Oh, I used to love the Top 40 Countdown, Shauna. Mm -hmm. well, me too. Me too. I love is it. Is she talking about the Casey Kasin one? Is there other ones or... I don't know. At the time, I don't know. It must have been other ones, but. Because I used to listen. I don't know how old I was, 10 maybe. I used yeah. to listen to the Casey Case and Countdown on the radio on a Sunday night at 6.30. Mm. I always remember that. Oh, really? Mm. I love it. He had a distinctive voice. And you know what else I found out? His name was Casey Kasem. I thought it was Casey Kasem. Oh, okay. It ends in an M for Molly. Yeah. Yes, I did know that. Casey Kasem. Oh. Casey Kasem. I only found that out because I was doing the research. I've always known yeah. him as Casey Kasem. <laughs> Casey. Uh, funny. <laughs> so Maddie's angry. He's supposed to be supervising Camille. Love the uh, line. Oh, I stand corrected. No, you stand terrific. <laughs> and it's so good. There's a similar line in another episode. I can't remember it right now, but anyway. Okay, so a few things about just this scene right here, right, where mm -hmm. they're standing behind her desk. Mm -hmm. She goes, oh, I stand corrected and puts her hands on her hips. They change camera angles and her hands are in front of her. So it's a different cut. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Looks like there's a lot of those in this episode. Yeah, definitely. Also, there are some really cute behind the scenes photos of this. Okay. This was the end of season two. I know Sybil brought a camera that she was taking a lot of behind the scenes pictures during the filming of this episode. Okay. And there are some really cute, you know, behind the scenes and while they're filming this particular scene, there's one where he like has her hand up like, you're the winner in a joking kind of way. Okay. You know? And we can put maybe on the website. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll put it on there. Have you seen the photo of um, Bruce and Sybil? I think they're in the front seat of one of their trailers and they have a red phone and they're on the phone and they're laughing. It has nothing to do with it. They're just taping. I think it's like during Camille. Anyway, mm. I know Sybil brought her camera to a set during filming Camille because it was the end of season two. She was taking a lot of behind the scene photos, which some of those have made their way to the public. So anyway, the, I always think of those when I see this scene. I'd love to write her photo albums. Oh my gosh. And his, they both and got, his, yeah. yeah. Because his wife did a documentary on him that was only released in Germany. This is where a lot of these behind the scene pictures come from because they were in the documentary. In the moon landing group, we got a hold of the documentary and then we cut it all up with the photos. <laughs> oh, okay. The photos, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it wasn't aired in the States, so they're kind of... Anyway... It's, yeah. it's a little bit like her business, Emma's current yeah. business. When you go to the website, it's European or something. I don't know what the link is there because they don't deliver to Australia at the moment. So because mm. I was interested in having a look at her products, but I don't understand why it's not a a U.S. website, unless the products are coming from there. Huh. I didn't know it was. Uh, I didn't know it wasn't U.S.-based. No, so it's uh, European-based, huh, Coco Baba? Mm. Interesting. Anyway, oh, I love the end of this scene too. Maddie makes enough points where he has really nothing, he has nothing more to say. She's robbing me blind. I'll have a talk with her. And the very last thing he does is he takes his forum magazine, gives it to her, <laughs> he snatches it away and he knocks on the desk 
on the desk. It's like the cutest yeah. little interaction. Yeah. Isn't it? I love how he like gives up the goods. Like he gives up his magazine to her and stuff. Like yeah. Really okay. I give up. <laughs> yeah. I surrender. You're right. You know, hey, this is one of the few times, you know, that he finally gives in, you know. But there's a first in this episode. There's a first. He is what? speechless for yes. a while there. What the hell? He can't argue with the fact that Camille hasn't done anything. Yeah. Yeah, because Maddie tells David that she doesn't know Camille's movements, doesn't even know if she comes in every day. Well, you're the boss, love. I think you should be checking if your staff are there. (laughs) I know, I know. But Um, her point is David's supposed to be. Yes. David said he would manage all this. Yeah. And she says she's only seen her twice. She keeps her door locked and she's cashed her first week's paycheck. She's there with her pen comments. And there's a big pause. He, he's like, oh, he obviously has no response. He's got no comeback for that one. No, none at all. I don't even know if she intends to live up to her half of her employment contract. All I do know is that she has cashed her first week's paycheck. Comments? It, it, it's only been 10 days, Maddie. She's getting adjusted, acclimatized, you know. She's settling in, getting her bearings. Robbing me blind. I'll have a talk with her. I wish you would. Good. So he'll talk to her. All right. And like I said, love the cute little interaction at the end of that. That's very, like, here's the book, takes the book, knocks on her desk. Yeah, it's a good ending to that scene. All right. And we move on to part seven. Oh, my God. I've got so, (laughs) I've got so many notes on this act. Oh, yeah. All right. Can I see you in my office again? And we get Maddie walking down the hall, gorgeous in her yellow dress, slit up to cut to South North America, I guess. So <laughs> I'm, yes, exactly. North America, not South America. Yeah, yeah, um, okay. So first of all, we get Maddie's feet out of the elevator. Woohoo. That's great. Mm-hmm. But I feel that there's a goof here. And oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Which, we're pretty sure it happens all the time anyway. We know that it's her body double possibly most of the time that walks out of the elevator unless the camera has to move up to her face, right? Yes. But the person coming out of the elevator, the slit on the dress is lower than Maddie's slit. Does oh, okay. That- yes. I was just thinking, yeah, you're right. But also I think the way that they're walking looks yes. very, very dancey and yes. like... It's not Maddie Hayes at all. Yeah, the person coming out of the elevator is sort of doing a little bit of a doo-wop, but then when Maddie's walking up to Blue Moon, it's a different walk here, so I did notice that. Yes, absolutely. And she walks into Blue Moon and everyone seems very busy, busy, and, you know, just (laughs) she's kind of, she, you know, glances at David. Yeah, she just walks straight past him without saying anything and he's looking at the paper and he's he's probably on the phone with his bookie. Yeah, oh, yeah, I know, I know. He's got his And then passes it to Jurgensen when he sees Maddie walk in, and it's the best line. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, sure is. Come in at 4 o'clock. I want your job. I want your job. Yes, he's so like, shove it, Dave. Stow it, David. What would she say to him? Stuff it, Addison. I don't know what she'd say. <laughs> That's what she should have said. I love the afternoon sun coming through the window to show that it's the afternoon that she's walking in. Yeah. That's really good. I like that. And I love how she just keeps walking. He's kind of following her and she like walks in her office and does a few things. And 
walks right back out into the main office. <laughs> she like doesn't stop at all. <laughs> and he's just chasing her. He's just following her. Yeah. And she's funny. Yeah. So she walks into her office and she explains to him that she's been organizing a license. Yeah. I suppose a detective's license for, for our friend. Our- she for our for friend. Her. Yeah, for our yeah. friend Sherlock Jones. <laughs> for Sherlock Jones, yeah. Yeah, that's a good play on words there. A good reference. But when he says for our friend, she says, our friend. Been downtown all day trying to get a license for our friend Sherlock Jones. Yeah, well, I had a talk with our friend today. Our friend? My friend. Even though she already used that term, you know, it's kind of funny. Yeah, so obviously Jones. David has been spending some time with Camille. I know, but... <laughs> I wonder if Maddie hadn't been in that day and she'd been downtown all day getting the license, how do they know what outfit to put on Camille? Exactly. (laughs) Does he know her that well that he knows her schedule and he knows what outfit she's going to wear that day? Is that her Tuesday suit? I know. And I'm wondering if this is the suit that she wore and I don't think so. I think she wears the suit that she wears in knowing her when she goes to see the worm or it's a similar style in this episode, but I can't be sure. I don't think it's this one though. It's more of a peachy color, but yeah. Why does Camille have to look like Maddie? (laughs) I'm sorry, but this scene is really odd. I don't know. know. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. I don't know. See there. Okay. So Maddie and David are walking out into the main office and he's telling her, I think you're going to see a change in attitude and a change in style. Um, he spent a lot of time with her last night and she really admires you. But Maddie doesn't believe that. But he's trying to convince her that Camille wants to please her and she really wants to make you proud. Yeah. Hell, she wants to be you when she grows up. Camille comes out of David's office, but she's acting weird. I don't know. It's afternoon, Maddie. So, how you doing today, Maddie? Don't you think she's acting a bit strange? I know. Well, it, yeah, it just doesn't all fit because Maddie was just asking her to do work, not change, not change in attitude and style and all this other stuff. She's just like, why isn't she out there doing any work? She never said anything about like, she needs to change her attitude, the style, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just not, oh, I don't get this scene. Do they just think it would be funny that, to have these like mirror images like circling each other and it's almost like someone just thought it was a funny image more than like it making sense. I think it's when they're standing face to face, it's kind of like the wig that Whoopi's wearing is kind of like the <laughs> the Maddie Hayes hair, the real like flat Maddie Hayes oh, hair, you know, kind of like okay. pilot Maddie Hayes hair or whatever, where like Sybil right now has like the curly a more fluffed version oh, okay. of it. Yeah, I didn't pick that up. Um, yeah, so they're trying to do the dark haired version of Maddie. Okay. Yeah. It is awkward. It doesn't make sense. Maybe this is David's skewed way of thinking that Maddie will be happier if, I don't know. <laughs> I just thought it was David's warped way of thinking that this would improve things, that it would improve her confidence and she'll get working and Maybe. get some cases, you know, and I don't think he went the right way about it. <laughs> but how he knew the right outfit, I don't know. But what yeah. also does my head in is the back of her shoulder, the um the flaps not down properly now whether that's yeah. done on purpose because she's trying to be Maddie because you know how the back is sort of see through and the flap underneath is not sitting on her shoulders properly yeah I know you can kind of see a space like almost see her bra line or something like that 
-hmm. yeah, I never got this scene. I never understood why Camille had to look like Maddie. It didn't make sense with what they were arguing about before. That's not what Maddie was talking about at all. Mm -hmm. You know, Camille, just, just do some work. Like, is she at work and what's she doing? That's what Maddie wanted to know. Not like, but Maddie wasn't happy about it. No. The cuts are off here a little bit after they turn and do the synchronized the synchronized swimming couldn't have done yeah, it better. The yep. swimming. There's an insert of Sybil. Her hair is different and the lining is different. So mm-hmm. I think that's a different day. Her hair is more volumized in the insert than it is like when she's in the scene with Whoopi. Okay. Yep. And then when, when Maddie turns around to storm to her office, it takes her a long time to get past David from where she was standing. It wouldn't take her that long, you know? Oh, okay. And I can see that. Yeah, good. They show a close up of Maddie and they show a close up of Camille. Now, in the wide shot, there's no one behind Camille, okay? But when there's a close-up, there's two workers behind Camille. And I think it's the same worker that when they show the close-up is behind Maddie. One of the women in the office is, like, right behind her. Oh. There's, like, two. Yeah, you have to look at it. There's, like, two two workers right behind Whoopi, but there was no one behind her in the wide shot. Okay, yep. So, yeah, the cuts are off. Something. something They just appeared out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, yep. They're like it's almost like she's in front of Maddie's office and not David's because those people are standing in front of Maddie's office. But then when she turns to walk towards her office, David's standing there. She takes too long to get to him, and no one's standing in front of her office. There's no workers there. All right. Well, I'll go and check that out when I watch it again. And then David gets the door slammed right in his face. Even Maddie knows that that whole thing was stupid, right? Yeah. So Maddie does her normal. Of course, I'll step into your office. Which I love. Yes, yes, growls at David, yes. <laughs> but there is no continuation of that conversation. That would have been interesting. Mm-hmm. That's I cut short. About that. And that's our de- second door slam. Okay. Um, the first door slam I've counted is when David first walks into her office at the start of the episode. He slams the doors open. So. Right. Okay. All right. So now we're in Camille's office. Quitting time, TGIF, last one out, is a rotten egg. You are a weird piece of work, Addison. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so true. Kind of a David come to Jesus moment here with Camille. And a lot of so, so, so. <laughs> you know, just, yeah, basically this is his pep talk with her, like, come on, Camille. It's been, what does he say, three weeks or something like that? Yeah. And she says that she she's feeling about, um, yeah, she has a feeling that next week's going to, you know, she's going to be ready. And my favorite line is, And get old yellow hair off your and my behind. <laughs> <laughs> off their behinds. <laughs> I love that line. Yeah, it's a good line. She says that, but David kind of defends like, yeah, but it's been three weeks and it's, he doesn't pile on with, on Maddie with Camille. Yeah, he definitely is there to be like, it's time to get work done. He's there to let her know it's time. Yeah. Camille says she's been on your back. Huh? So it's it's obvious that he's getting a bit of pressure. Yep. And he's been letting Camille slide, but it is time. Yeah. And he leaves and she starts packing up. Yeah. It looks like she's getting ready to leave for good. Yeah. That's what I got the sense. She goes um, to all different drawers and gets stuff out, gets her business cards, puts them in the briefcase and starts to walk out. Oh, before that, I just realised before that, Bruce does another twisteroo out of the door. You know how he does the old twist Mm. when he goes outside the door? Mm. (laughs) At the front door, I mean, the front door of Blue Moon, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but then the policeman shows up suddenly from the right-hand side 
of Blue Moon, which there oh. is no door. Leaving work so early? Where, how does he pop out of the main office from behind her door or whatever? You know, the, yeah, there's nothing back there except a desk. That was weird. The only thing weird. I thought of is he must have showed up earlier, saw David was in there talking to her, so he hid in the corner. Yeah, maybe. The only other thing I noticed when she was packing up, there may be a goof with the insert of the briefcase because the close-up on the briefcase looked like there were ridges. It's like, kind of like a ridged briefcase. Mm-hmm. But when, when she opens the briefcase in the wide shot, it looks smooth. Oh, so There could be a discrepancy there. But with the lighting, I couldn't tell. So I might it's be wrong. Hard sometimes. Like... So yes. Um, anyway, he's there because of the license. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie went and applied for her license, and now he knows where she works. You still don't understand about licenses, do you? <laughs> but I love, I love his uh, round, dark glasses. <laughs> yeah, he's really looking like a villain here, coming out from the dark, you know. And he believes oh, that she's on a gold mine here, working at Blue Moon. But she's trying to tell him that you know they're barely scraping by, and and I like how he looks through David's magnifying glass. He tells her she needs to come up with 50k worth of something for him by the end of the week. Or I'll have you on so much ice, you'll think you're a jigger of vermouth. A jigger of vermouth. That was pretty funny. So he's like, you're on a gold mine because places like this, they have a lot of access to like safes and jewels and codes. But she's protective of Blue Moon. She's like not going there with Blue Moon because they've been so good to her, which, Mm. yeah, I like that. Places like this get access to places with safes, jewels, cash securities this place doesn't have access to jack jack i like how he turns around and says that about the vermouth and he's got his sunnies flipped up off his glasses and he turns around he does the awkward turn to talk to her i thought that was a good shot Uh (laughs) uh-huh yeah the kind of uh those glasses are very 80s 80s style Mm. (laughs) yeah the awkward turn around but yeah he puts his feet up on the desk like david kind of you know they kind of get the maddie and david things in there Okay, so he leaves. At this point, I was like, oops, did they forget to put in the chapters? You know, I thought there should be another title there because they've been putting in the titles like pretty regularly. It seems like the wheels are falling off the bus a little bit, probably like (laughs) they really were running out of time, you know? Um, Um, Yeah, I did notice that too, because now it's the next morning and Agnes is answering the phone. So I'm thinking, well, maybe they didn't have a good title to put there. It's true because the notes I've got on Act 7 are huge. And that's possibly because it wasn't split in half. Yeah, I think they were supposed to put a title. And I was like, oops, I think they gave up on the titles. And then they did put one in later. So I was like, okay, Mm. I guess they didn't. But they were putting them in. I mean, every time there was a break or a change in scene, there was a title before. Yep. Now we get another Agnes Rhyme or half of an Agnes Rhyme because it gets interrupted. Exactly. So this episode has 1.5 Agnes Rhymes. And guess what that means, Shauna? We're evened out again. We're evened out again. Woohoo! Yay! I thought about that too. <laughs> so she answers the phone, says her rhyme, and the <laughs> person keeps interrupting her, but she keeps going, and then she realizes that he's trying to tell her that there's a gas leak in the building. Blue Moon Investigations, if you're in trouble, if you're in a fix, but the people to turn to will make things right quick. We're effective because we listen... Please, sir, let me finish. Listen, listen to all you say. We'll hear your prop. You're being very rude. I'm not through yet. Huh? What? But it's great. It's a great connection because the poem is about how Blue Moon listens to all you say. (laughs) But she keeps cutting him off. 
while not listening at all. <laughs> That's funny. Thank you for listening to Camille Part 1. Stay tuned next week for our final episode of the year, Camille Part 2. Well, until next time. I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening, listening to, to Moonlighting, Moonlighting the Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.